going to be reading from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 1 through 6, and verses 15 and 16. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the power it has to transform our lives and to bring about transformation on your earth and even in your earth. For you're the sovereign God who loves us all and whom it pleases that all would be saved. So give us open hearts and minds as we contemplate your word today in preparation for coming to your table. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It is Labor Day weekend, formerly known as the first September blast, right? Also a good time to stay home in the cool and out of the ways of those who got blasted, right? It's just safer there. But at any rate, we don't always do that. Oftentimes we go out to enjoy the climate, the weather, the activities because it's a great day and kind of the harbinger, if you will, of what is coming to an end, summertime, and the beginning of fall activities. So much of that's going on in our life. But also it's a day to remember those who labor among us. So just for a moment, let's think about that. Let's think about the workers in our world. Let's think about the people who are striking because of low wages at fast food restaurants. Let's think about the workers in Syria. Many who are being oppressed by regimes so awful and so tyrannical that we would never even contemplate the thoughts that they put into action. Let's think about those who work daily in the military to provide safety for others, for those who work in the emergency forces, in the police and the protecting agencies, for those who work countless hours in the hospitals to make us well. Let's think about the person who gets up every morning and goes to the factory to make something practically useless, but we all must have. Maybe something as practical as a toothbrush, or maybe something so impractical as Well, you see, all you need to do is go to Walmart, and there'll be a whole shelves and shelves of mostly impractical stuff that we think are necessities these days, right? Thank God we have them to make those things, because elsewise, I don't know what I would put in my storage shed. (laughs) 
I don't know what I would use with all those empty shoeboxes if I didn't have junk to put in them, right? I mean, we've got to have somebody making stuff, but really and truly, those people get up and day after day do the drudgery that allows us to have a mower to mow our yards, that allows us to have a broom to sweep our floors, that allows us to have bottles to hold the pills that help sustain our lives. The American worker is ingenuous and dedicated and hardworking when they're at their best. And it is a tough time to be a worker in the world in which we live, is it not? doesn't matter who you are or what you do. You live with the constant reality in these days. The job that was supposed to be secure forever no longer is. What can you name that hasn't changed or might be about to change in the present or in the near future? Change is occurring all the time in the field of work. If you don't know how to be educated, if you don't know how to stay diligent in your trades and continue to improve, it's a sure thing that you will wake up someday and find out that you are unemployed and you have little chance of being re-employed until you are re-educated and retrained. Most workers who are working today will hold numerous jobs throughout their careers. Unlike my father, who worked like 27 years at the same place. My wife, who worked more than 30 years at the same place. Even myself, who've been working now more than 30 years in ministry. Before that, seven or eight years in one other occupation. Many people today, even in their young adult growing years after getting out of college, find it necessary to move to several jobs fairly regularly because of the changes in the company, changes in their circumstances, changes in the world in which they live. It is a changing world. In the midst of all that change, we need to lift up and thank God for workers of all kinds and places, for all businessmen of all kinds and places, for all women who work and serve in the different callings of their lives. We need to thank God that heaven and earth may change, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We celebrate that in the midst of all the changes, our Jesus is real and continual. Our Jesus does not change. Exhortation is a wonderful thing. It's hard to have enough exhorters in a church. It's hard to live in a neighborhood where there are enough exhorters. It's hard to go to enough schools that have enough exhorters. It's hard because a lot of people are slow these days to exhort others. Exhortation, the gift of calling out the best in others. The gift of telling people what they need to do in their life in a winsome, loving, caring way so that they might actually hear what you're going to say and not think that you're being bossy or controlling but rather that you're simply calling out the best from them. The same kind of things we try to do for our children, or we should be doing with all our children, to call out the best in each and every one of them, encouraging them to be the best they can be, showing them the way, and when they're down, lifting them up. The same thing that is needed in the body of Christ, continually and always, for we are one. Continue the mutual love of the brethren, the writer to this Hebrews writes. People need to know that those who love them are encouraging them to do the right thing, to return to the right thing, encouraging them to not do the things that are not the right thing. Do you know how much people need encouragement? Do you realize the people sitting all around you today are going to have that day in their life, young and old, when they're going to need someone to encourage them? Do you know that there's going to come a moment in their lives when they are down on the church? 
And they need somebody to encourage them, to remind them of the good things about the body of Christ. They need someone to lift them up and call them to be better than they're trying to be. Because all of us get stuck sometimes in a downward spiral of thinking that leads us away from the church, even of our birth. Now, I'm told in some churches, people get so down on the pastor, they think about leaving the church. Of course, that would never happen here. (laughs) At least not now, right, J.D.? Where is he? He's gone. He had to leave. (laughs) You never know where that boy's going to show up next, do you? But it's true. People get down and they start acting out of a darker part of themselves and they need a brother and sister in Christ to encourage them to be stronger than what they're being. Sometimes people just think the church is wrong and indeed sometimes the church can be wrong. But sometimes the people who think the church is wrong are the ones who are wrong too. And they just need someone to call something better out of their lives than they're currently living up to. In the near future, it could be you. It could be me. I can truthfully say that I've had constant encouragement. And it's quite inspiring, really, to be a new pastor in a setting and have people keep asking you, Are you all right? How are you feeling today? Although it's happened so much lately that I'm beginning to wonder, Am I looking that bad? (laughs) Or are things so dark that people are worried that, you know, the world's going to cave in? I get that. I understand that. I can assure you the world is not going to cave in. And I can assure you that I'm doing reasonably well for a person my age who's alive in this world in which we are. Occasionally, I have my moments when I'm irritated. I can't imagine what that would be, but I'm sure if I thought long enough, I could share some things with you. But then it wouldn't be a sermon, would it? It would be something else. So I'll not do that. But I would just encourage you to encourage your brothers and your sisters and to not forget that the mutual love that we share within the body is the strongest thing we have that glues us together. Of course, in this exhortation, the writer goes on and on to continue to lift up things. Interestingly, so he does not preach about them. He just states them. So I'm going to do the same thing. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers or to do good and to share what you have. That's what he writes in verse 2 and verse 16. Do not neglect. So I say to you, do not neglect. Because such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Remember, in two different places in these verses I just read, 3 and 7, he says, remember those in prison as though you were there with them. He says, remember those who were your leaders, who spoke the word of God to you. Imitate their faith. Remember. In fact, one writer described this passage of Scripture as a potpourri of undeveloped exhortations. Now, I can promise you that's really hard to have undeveloped exhortations because the urge of every preacher is to elaborate on everything I just read. I'm going to be biblical. The other exhortations included in this text include honor marriage, keep life free from love of money, be content with what you have. Remember that Christ will never leave or forsake you Such truth inspires confidence in the living God despite our circumstances. I can remember once a long time ago when I was a young boy or young man, and my church attendance was a little sporadic at the time, but not so for my parents. Unlike many their age, 
when they got older and their kids got older and began to leave the house, they continued to go to church every Sunday, just like they had taught us to do when we were little. Hmm. Interesting thought. Sometimes people go to church so their children can go to church. And then when the children get old enough, the children no longer go, the parents don't go either. Hmm. I wonder what that could mean. But I can't preach about it, so I'll just leave it alone and let you wonder about it. What does it mean? Christ will never leave or forsake you. And then he goes on to this verse that I wanted to preach so desperately about. I don't know why I just love it. It's just so beautiful to listen to it. Because it talks about the unchangeableness of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, since he's through with the exhortations, and I'm not supposed to speak about them, I'm going to elaborate a little bit on that topic. Although I'll admit, as I searched my commentaries, and I have enough of them, I should have found more, very little is written about that verse. They're not for sure where it applies to the verses just before it, or where it's part of the conclusions for the rest of the book, or whether it's just a single standalone verse. I don't really care, but I'm going to treat it like a standalone verse today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. First of all, regardless of the circumstances. Regardless of the circumstances. Sometimes our circumstances make it very difficult to believe that the Jesus that we love, who we think has been caring for us all our life, still understands what's going on in our own. Sometimes we have people who challenge what we've done or what we believe because they think that what we've done or what we've believed has not been biblical or scriptural or for the best interests of the body of Christ. I know the feeling. I've been challenged before. I don't know what you do in those moments when people challenge your faith. I typically go back to what happened and what they're describing and go through that event myself again and ask myself the question quite simply, was I doing what I thought was right? Was I doing what I thought was biblical? Was I following the word of God to the best of my understanding? Not to the best of their understanding, to the best of my understanding. And then when I get to that place, I usually make a decision about about what action I need to take. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, then I should be the same kind of consistent person in my own walk. And so I try very hard to be that kind of consistent person, but I'm not Jesus. I know that surprises you. You probably think that, well, he looks very much like Jesus. He's tall, dark, and handsome. (laughs) Thin. Wears sandals a lot. It's perfect in every way. I understand you feeling that way about me, but really I'm not quite that good. I'm more like other normal human beings, filled with mistakes, wrong thoughts occasionally, taking wrong actions, occasionally too impulsive, occasionally too excitable, Occasionally too long-winded, I'm told, although I've never really believed that. (laughs) But when someone tells you that the life you're living is not a good witness for Christ, it does cause you to stop, or it should, and to ponder the truth, the veracity of what they've said. For me, personally, after I examined it, I, I discover either they were right or they were wrong. I need to apologize or to ignore and pray for them. 
And that's what I do. And if I have the opportunity to encourage them to see life from a different perspective in the future, I take it. But the reality is that when you think about this verse and you think about our circumstances and you think about the ups and downs of life, it's very hard to accept, to believe, and to be content with the reality that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we think God is blessing us and our life is running over with blessings, it's so easy to give God the credit. When our life is not running over with blessings and we seem to be facing hardships, trials, and difficulties, we might tend to think that God is not that blessing God that we thought, especially if we had bad theology and poor biblical literacy. For you see, when we examine our lives, we must not examine them by a verse at a time, but rather by the content as it flows into us and is shaped and and formed by the rest of the content of the rest of the scripture. We are, and we must remember so, a work in progress. We should not expect teenagers to be able to survive well without exhortation. If you have some of those teenagers, and they're migrating on me today. I think I see some, yeah, I got some over here. They're moving around. You didn't think I'd find you, did you? But there you are. I got you. I got you. I got some of them still over the corner. I got you scattered around. Youth don't do well without encouragement. Some of you, you might think, well, they don't do all that hot with encouragement. And, <laughs> and that can be true. And sometimes it can also be true that maybe they're not receiving the right kind of encouragement in the right way. It's very hard to encourage your own children. I know I raised two. I'm much better at raising your children than I am at raising my own, I think. And I think most of us feel that way. So it's good to have small communities where we help raise each other's children. Because sometimes as our children turn into youth, their thinking begins to diverge and they begin to express their own individuality. And most parents do not like that. We want our children to grow up to be youth and young adults who are much like we taught them to be, only better. Uh, doing many of the things we taught them to do and none of the things we told them not to do even though we were still doing them. We want our youth to grow up to be a better than us kind of youth. We want their lives to be more perfect than our own was. We want them to have no bumps in the road. We want life to be smooth sailing for them. Even if that's not good for them, we still want it. It is hard to encourage our youth in the way they should go. It is hard to encourage adults in the way they should go. When is the last time that you reminded someone that Jesus is the same and the church is the same and they need to live forth toward the better understanding of that and to come out of the doom and gloom with which they were, in which they were presently dwelling? Because as circumstances change, some of our brothers and sisters get overcome by them and they need to be encouraged in just the right kind of loving, mutual kind of love that is vulnerable and tender and caring and truthful. And sometimes telling them the truth and love must be done with a kind of care and, pre- care and precision that we're so often not tuned into. Circumstances change, but the foundation of the Christian hope and endurance is the belief that Jesus never does. 
I remember sitting in a theology class that just hit me all over. It just made me furious. It was in the dawn of a new theology that had become very popular. And at the time, I had uh, strong tendencies to take what I thought was good and enhance it and to take what I thought was wrong and to point a finger at them and say, you got that wrong. Uh, I remember a thing called process theology that was alive and blossoming. And in my first glimpse at it, some professor in that professor's wisdom decided to make the statement that Jesus was changing and was being changed by us. Well, I wasn't very wise, but I remembered Hebrews. You know, Jesus is not doing all so much changing. So pretty soon I just set all that process stuff aside. I went, that's no good. You know, those guys are off the rocker uh, because they'd come to a wrong conclusion. It was later in my life I realized that they were partly right, although not completely right. I still do not believe that Jesus changes, but I do believe that most of life is a process. And in fact, I'm convinced and almightily sure that our Christian faith itself is a process that extends over from the time we begin to believe, whatever age that might be, through all kinds of stages and developments. As we grow older and as we study more deeply, our faith continues to be transformed. It is a process through which we become more like Jesus. Rarely do I see people very young who have finished the process. Oh, wait a minute. Rarely? Never. In fact, never do I see anyone that's an adult that I think has finished the process. Life is a process. And sometimes the fact that we want to get on somebody, there's a preacher about what they're doing or not doing, it says as much about us as it does about them. I remember a certain sermon a long time ago. I forgot the preacher's name. I thought it might have been Jack Gray, and I just recalled his teaching the other day. And it's really helpful for men, because a lot of men, especially those who are married, have need to change a lot. It's made clear to us very early that we're, we're not very habitual creatures to share a house with, and we need to change our ways if the women in our lives are going to enjoy life like they want to. Now, I can remember... Once, my bride had such a thought uh, and expressed it. I, she's so timid and shy, she's only done it once in 40 years. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I remember a preacher talking about life was like a picket fence. It had a lot of stakes in it. And every time uh, we look up, somebody is painting on a particular picket in their fence. The trouble is, that caring person in their life wants to exert, exhort them by telling them to paint on a different picket. Because that's not the picket that's really bothering them. There's another picket over here they want them to paint. That's where my wife and I had a, sometimes an occasional bright moment. That we were painting on different pickets. And of course she would say, yeah, but there's a picket or two in your life that's never been painted. And I would say, well, I'm still young. I've got more time, dear. Give me more time. How about you? Which picket are you painting on now? He went on to say that even pickets that get painted have to come back and be repainted. Did you ever know that you have to learn and relearn truth that you already had? You know, sometimes we learn to be caring and compassionate. We've got it down for six months. And the next thing you know, we would look in the mirror and wonder, who is that guy looking back at me? Who is that face in the mirror? That mean, angry, bothered person. That's not the sweet, compassionate self I know me to be. And you look around and you see there's nobody behind you. You look back in the mirror and it's still you. You need to learn again that same thing that you've been fighting in your life in the past. I need to quit because we need to take communion. And I didn't really want to preach a lot today. I just want to remind you that though we're not, Jesus is the same yesterday, 
today and forever. And the scriptures say we should offer a sacrifice of praise to God. Now let me just rehearse with you these reasons why and the ways that Jesus is the same. First of all, of course, we know that Jesus, who was in the before realities, creating the heavens and the earth with the Father. That's the same Jesus that walked the earth and lived among us. It's the same Jesus that crawled up on the cross and died for us. It's the same Jesus that made atonement for all the sin of humankind that would ever be committed. It is the same Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father and whispers into the Father's ear words of intercession for us when we're not at our best and when we need the Father's forgiveness. It is the same Jesus who will one day come again and inhabit this earth with his physical heavenly presence and create a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus is the same. Our experience of him may be the same, may be different. Our, our perspectives will change during the years, but Jesus Christ is the same, and Jesus Christ is sufficient. As our example, as our one-time sacrifice for sin, as our atonement for all humankind forever and ever, as our intercessor sitting beside the Father, lifting us into his presence.